0: southern miss to the top top. you're tuned in to the eagle hour hey good thursday afternoon everybody welcome to another edition of the eagle hour bob getty from the first bank studio here in hattiesburg glad to have you with us this afternoon uh luke uh, off today kelly will be joining me later in the show Great show today. Uh, Southern Miss, of course, on the road, uh, getting ready to take on Texas San Antonio this afternoon, and or this evening rather, in uh, another four game series. Uh, we're very happy to have the coach of the Roadrunners with us this afternoon, Pat Hallmark, coach. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks very much for your time.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. I uh, I got a lot of respect for Coach Barry, so I'm sure you guys are wonderful people and and. Uh... You do a great job at what you do, so I am happy to be here.
0: Well, thank you very much. We uh, love Coach Barry in these parts, and uh, we're looking forward to the matchup. Well, first of all, congratulations to you, Coach. I know you took the job in uh, in June of two thousand nineteen after being named the nineteen Southland Conference Coach of the Year. And I guess when you got started, though, your your first season sidetracked by COVID nineteen.
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, disappointed like everybody, you know, in college baseball. That was a tough year. Um, but it's over. That year's over. We're excited to be playing baseball again and, and uh, looking forward to the future.
0: Right. And off to a good start, Coach, a good ball club out there. Coach Berry told us about you Monday and uh, how well your team hits the ball. And before we get started on the team, I want to talk to you about your national player of the week. Uh, quite a yes, performance by that young man, Coach.
1: Yeah, Chase King, he's an outfielder over here with us. Uh, you know, I guess it tells you how smart I am. He wasn't even in the lineup <laughs> when the season started, but uh, he's yeah. worked his way in there, and, and obviously he had a really good game Friday out over at Rice uh, with the three home runs. He also hit a double, so... Um, yeah, he he'll he'll be in there this
0: weekend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so hopefully he keeps it going. Yeah, yeah. Nine RBIs, uh, three home runs, and a double in one game, and certainly that that tells you why he was the National Player of the Week. All right, Coach, tell us about this uh, ball club of yours, and uh, what should Southern Miss fans expect when they tune in tonight?
2: Well, I hope we win,
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no, the team thus far, you know, we we've got some some good offensive numbers. Um, kind of we have an older club offensively so i'm not entirely surprised by the numbers um you know a lot of these teams this year these older players you get fifth and now sometimes even sixth year players they kind of know what they're doing they know how the opponents are going to approach them or attack them and there's a little better understanding of the game and that just that helps people so you, i think you're seeing some of these older guys whether they're for our team it happens to be our offensively is where our older players lie but you know, I think a lot. Tech has some older players, both pitching and offensively, and they're they look to be tough. But that's, I think, a lot of it. It's just that the age and the experience of the players. Um, you know, we do have some older hitters in our lineup, so they'll be in there. They're they're uh, mature. They mostly swing at strikes. You know, and take balls, which sounds seems seems overly simplistic, but when hitters do that, they tend to hit good. So. Uh we we do okay there. Um, you know, we're very young on the mound. We're young, we're inexperienced on the mound. Um that's kind of been an issue for us. But we knew that coming in. They're good kids, they work hard, they they give it everything they got and they will be they will be uh very good pitchers, we think. Uh hopefully sooner rather than later. But, you know, you gotta run out there and take your lumps sometimes and, and teams like Southern Miss are really gonna be a test for us. Um to, basically, you know, Southern Southern Miss is the best team in the league perennially now. They are, I think that's a safe statement. Um, if we can beat Southern Miss, we can beat anybody in this league. So, it'll be a good test for our young pitchers. Um, probably the biggest challenge as a coach is getting us to play defense, because some of these same hitters we have don't always mm-hmm. take the defense as serious as we want them to, but lately our defense has been good. I think we're fielding 978 or something like that, so that's probably been... Uh, where we need to spend some time is just defensively. I think pitching, I'm not surprised what we're doing. And hitting, I'm not surprised what we're doing. But we gotta, we got to play good defense to win.
0: Right. Of course, so far this year, the strength of the Southern Miss team has been the pitching staff. So the pitching staff against uh, your experienced hitters should make for a, another weekend of an interesting matchup like we saw last weekend.
1: Absolutely. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, we had a team meeting yesterday and kind of, you know, for, for, tell everybody, hey, forget about rice. It's over, and let's look to the future. Because Monday we had a, was an off day, and and that was it. I mean, you know, shoot, Powell's pitcher of the year, I think more than once, and and he's not even the Friday night guy. I mean, Hunter Stanley's ninety to ninety-five with a great curveball and a great changeup. So, yeah, I mean, we just talked about the challenge of facing probably the best pitching staff in our league and how we how we're going to do with that, and and just being excited about it. And we said, hey, these guys might get us out a little bit, but. We just got to stay persistent, and we'll see how we do. It's going to be, it should be an interesting weekend and a worthy challenge because the pitching staff is very good for Southern Miss.
0: Now, Coach, you know about Southern Miss because, as I understand it, you were a catcher for Rice and uh, for the legendary Wayne Graham. So, this uh, this program is no no mystery to you, is it?
1: No, but it's more—it's more my coaching days over there. So I caught for Wayne. I caught for Coach Graham in 1995, a long time ago. But mm-hmm. but I coached over there for 11 years, from 2006 until 2016. So we—I we, spent some time over at Pete Taylor Park, and and Coach Barry was an assistant uh, when I first started, and then you know I watched him kind of go into the head coaching role and do wonderful at that job. That's why one of the reasons I have so much respect and. And really admiration for him. I don't think admiration is too strong a word. I, I absolutely admire what he's done, and uh, his teams are always good and well prepared. And when Corky Palmer was there, uh, his teams were always very good and well prepared. And and I I I uh, I always loved going over there because the fans were were passionate and the teams were tough.
0: Right, uh, no question, and uh, and the fans remain passionate. I, I assure you. I, I got to ask you before we run out of time uh, to comment on Wayne Graham. I had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times when he came over here. He he, in a lot of ways, was very beloved over here. Uh, you know the this, the 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 series with Rice, in all honesty, hasn't been the same uh, since he left. Uh, but your thoughts about Wayne Graham? He's
1: the best. He's the best there ever was, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Rice prior to Wayne Graham and then you look at Rice during Coach Graham, you know, we'll see how it fares after. But prior to Wayne Graham, there was mediocrity at best um, over there. And then you got a national championship. And uh, just the time I was there, it was only partially when Coach was there. We won 10 conference championships. So Coach won more than that. He won some when I wasn't part of his staff. So it. it Nobody did it better. You know, there's been some great coaches, Augie Garrido and and the guys at USC back in the day and and Frazier at Miami. But if you look at someone who did it at a program that never did anything, is Wayne Graham's in a class by himself. That's why I call him the best. Because Hmm. Rice was nothing in terms of college baseball before he got there and then he turned it into what it was, which was fabulous. So I consider him the best college baseball coach ever because of that.
0: No, I agree, and it was a great privilege to meet him, and uh, we always enjoyed uh, watching uh, him come over and coach his ball club. A couple of minutes left, Coach. Give us some names of some kids that Southern Miss fans should be listening for and, and watching on your ball club this weekend.
1: Our first baseman is Griffin Paxton. Uh He's a very good hitter. Um Good player, uh, Joshua Lamb, plays shortstop for us. Is also a, a solid, uh, solid defender and good hitter. Um, our little catcher, he, he's a little guy, but he's got a little thump in his bat. So I hope, <laughs> I hope they see see some of that. His name's Nick Thornquist. Um, all three of those guys are, are older players that have been around. If, if if the if the fans remember any of the series two years ago, they were in there then too. Uh, of course, we didn't play last year, but they're those they're, they're type of hitters that we mentioned earlier they're experienced hitters, so they they tend to tend to know the strike zone and and they got a little pop in the bat so uh, but we got some other hitters that do well too, but those are probably three of the ones you'll you'll see all four games
0: okay and and so we're looking at Thursday, two games Friday and a game Saturday. Do I have that correct?
1: Yes, sir, and Saturday's an early one. I think coach Barry and the guys have a have an early flight, so we got to start it at ten a m so right. So your your listeners uh, might want to get up early for that one.
0: All right. Well, the well the conference is nothing new to you. You having coached at Rice, and and obviously you're very familiar with the opponents. But uh, you got to be excited, coach, to uh, have your program off to such a good start. And what I think is a very good baseball conference.
1: Yeah, we are. We are excited. My my coaching staff does a great job. Coach Butler coaches the pitchers we just got him from nickel state uh, so he's somewhat familiar with you guys as well as y'all play some non-conference games so he came over with us in january he's brand new and then coach aguayo coaches our hitters and coach lux and yeah those guys do a great job um uh you know training and developing our guys and, and we're in a good spot right now but but as you know it's, it's not how you start it's how you finish and and you got to prove a little bit every day. If, if you think you got it made or you stay still, you're going to go backwards. So we're just trying to get a little bit better. I think right now the defense is is kind of a a big thing for me anyway, um, because when we play we're, we know what we are pitching. We're we're, we're young, so we're going to give up some base hits, but we got to defend. If we can, if we can keep defending, we we'll, we'll have a chance.
0: All right, coach. Very grateful for your time. Good luck to you this weekend and the rest of the season.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed
0: it. All right. Pat Hallmark, everybody, head baseball coach. Texas-San Antonio Roadrunners. Eagles take them on later tonight. We'll be right back. Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the, top. to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we want to thank uh, UTSA coach Pat Hallmark for joining us in the first segment of the show. Weekend series starts tonight, actually, at uh, 6 p.m. You can uh, follow the game on uh, CUSA TV uh, as the Golden Eagles get ready to take on the Roadrunners tonight at 6. They play two games tomorrow. And a game Saturday, opening segment, of course, was sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. And we thank them for their support of our show. Uh, they've got a great menu that they serve seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg in their dining room through the drive through or they'll even deliver it to your house. And remember, they're great people to see the next time you need catering. Also, want to thank our good friends down at Campus Bookmark uh, for their support of the show. CampusBookmark.net is how you shop online or you can go in their store six days a week and pick out your Southern Miss apparel right there on Hardy Street at Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. All right, uh, we've been trying to keep up with Nick Sandlin, uh, Matt Walner, a bunch of guys that uh, play baseball at Southern Miss that are trying to make their way uh, into big league baseball, and so who better to bring on? He keeps up with all of this for us. Uh, the one and only Al Holder. Alan, uh, happy Easter to you, and uh, thanks for coming on today. You are most
2: welcome. It is a, a beautiful day up here in Pearl, and, uh, and just enjoying the weather.
0: Yeah, it's great. That's for sure. All right, Al, tell me, uh, let's start uh, with our main man, Nick Sandlin. We've really been following Nick, and uh, you and I both thought there for a while. He And it is opening day, we should point out, of Major League Baseball. Opening day, but Nick Sandlin is or is not on the Indians roster? He is
2: not on the uh, roster uh, at the moment, Uh, but uh, he is, uh, as I understand it, he is first man up uh, in the bullpen. So when someone in the bullpen either suffers an injury or uh, is not getting the job done, I think they're going to call Nick up. I'm not sure if he's going to get assigned to the Clippers or if he's just going to stay in the Indians camp. Uh, it, it, it's going to depend on, you know, when they feel like they're going to need him and what work he might need to do. He threw five, five scoreless innings uh, here in spring training and struck out nine. So they know he's effective. And uh, uh, so I, I think he's on his way. It's just a matter of, uh, he, you know, people, he's got to push people out of the way somehow to get get where he's got to go.
0: So with those scoreless innings, five scoreless innings, it, it clearly, clearly wasn't anything he did. I mean, is that just a is that a matter we've talked about this before, being on the right team at the right time and and finding your place within the puzzle, so to speak.
2: Exactly. I I think Cleveland they've got some power arms up there. They've got uh, in the bullpen they, this close kid is throws 102 miles an hour. And, they've got two or three others that are up in the 97, 98 mile an hour. So they've got these power pitchers uh, available in the bullpen. And a couple of guys with, you know, that maybe throw a little more break and stuff. So I think they just kind of want to see where they are. Uh, and, but I, you know, Sandlin's hitting mid nineties now from the side. And, and mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think he's right there. I know the manager uh, just, they, they love him up there. He's on his way. He's, He's going to be there. It's just a matter of when.
0: All right, Kirk McCarty also with the Indians organization. How did he fare, Al?
2: You know, Kirk, uh, Kirk is. Uh, uh, they, I think they like him. Uh, from what I've read, he he uh, uh, threw five. Let's see, he threw uh, two point two innings in four games. He had two strikeouts. His whip was one point five, which is a little high. That's when you take walks uh, and hits and uh divided by the you know innings pitched but uh they say that he pitched the toughest or faced the toughest uh, hitters mm-hmm. so th- that was something they were taking into consideration uh i just think uh, they like him a lot he uh, he was a non-roster invitee to the uh uh to the spring camp and i think that he may end up in triple a at the clippers the columbus clippers uh, so, so
0: when you're playing Triple A baseball, you're doing pretty daggum good, aren't you?
2: Yeah, th- those guys are a, a step away. I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, most of those guys could play somewhere in, in major league ball.
0: All right. All right. How about some of the other Golden Eagles you keep up with, Al?
2: You know, uh, Chucky Robinson was traded uh, to Cincinnati from the Astros, and uh, he he hit, he had four at bats and got one hit. Bet bet at two fifty the thing about Chucky is they love his defense, his leadership. He's got all these qualities, but it's his bat that keeps, uh, uh, keeps him back a little bit. And I think that he's, he's just got to get more, more swings in and, and, and start hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Reynolds was released by the Cubs. Uh, Matt Walner has been assigned to the Fort Myers mighty muscles, <laughs> the mighty <laughs> muscles. Isn't that great? And, and uh, you know he struggled in eight ball last year, and when they moved him up from a rookie league, so uh, he is not on the forty man roster. And uh, the mighty muscles are low A. Uh, their season starts May four, so I suspect they'll probably, uh, since he's one of their their uh, high draftees, they may keep him like in the major league camp. You know, while they're uh, you know they keep some players there to to work on stuff, they may keep him there before they send him off to. Uh, to Fort Myers, but that that's where he's been assigned to Fort Myles, Myers. Mighty muscles. So
0: he's he was such a dominant, obviously such a dominant college All American, yeah. but has struggled at the plate. Is that what I heard yeah, you say? Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's it's just it's hard to describe. Uh, you, we you see just in college ball, like at Southern Miss, you see these kids they throw these pitches that I mean nobody's supposed to be able to hit. And uh, they they've all got good velocity and everything, but when you start stepping it up to double uh, A, AA, triple A, and then to, to the to the big clubs, when you start stepping it up like that, those those guys not only do they throw stuff you can't hit, they throw it when you don't expect it, and it's uh that's why a major league hitter is probably the best athlete on the planet mm-hmm. just to be able to hit it. anybody that can hit a 95 mile an hour fastball is really special.
0: Right, and you look at a kid like Sandlin, who was probably one of the two or three best college pitchers in the country. He's doing well, but still, there you know there are guys on the Cleveland Indians roster that that beat him out for a spot. What does that say about the talent level at the major league level?
2: Well, a lot of the guys that beat him out have major league experience, so they can rely on that. And with Nick, they can't; they're not ready to quite rely on it. He's just getting all the work he can get. He works out every day to get stronger. Uh, you and I talked about this before. He's bigger, he's stronger. Uh he has more velocity on his ball. Every his his accuracy is better. Everything's been is a lot better even than when he played for Southern Miss. He's just if you brought him now and put him in Southern Miss's lineup, you probably wouldn't see anybody ever get a hit off of him. Right. He he's just He's He's special now, but he's once he gets up to the major league level, if he can maintain that, he'll be there a long time.
0: Uh, these minor league baseball teams have the coolest names. you said the mighty muscles. My son was telling me a couple of weeks ago that in Jacksonville they have a minor league team. He lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and they're called the Jacksonville Jumbo shrimp you know it's just they really come up with some really unique names in minor league baseball,
2: yeah, they do yeah.
0: All right, so the Golden Eagles are on the road tonight. Uh, We interviewed um, Coach Pat Hallmark earlier, talked to Patrick McGee yesterday, Uh, Al. He said that UTSA is a good team, but they're nowhere near at the level of Louisiana Tech. Your thoughts about what you saw out of Louisiana Tech and your thoughts about uh, what Southern Miss uh, should and could do this weekend out in Texas.
2: Well, the UTSA team, as I understand it, is really a good offensive team. Now, I don't know how they are, how they are defensive or pitching and everything. So, our pitching should, you know, help to smother that offense. And so, if we just we just got to put the ball in play more, uh, other than hitting pop flies, I I still think our major problem is. All these kids, especially the young kids, when they come out, they they seem to have more of an uppercut type of swing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, trying to lift the ball out of the ballpark. And when you start doing that, you are an absolute sucker for a slider or breaking ball. And uh, so, I, I think uh, you will notice our more experienced hitters, like Montenegro. He's he's leveled his swing out. That's why he's starting to hit the ball better because he's uh, he's he's not uh, uh, trying to lift the ball anymore. Right. So he's he's beginning to hit the ball. I think once, once they get you know it, it, it keep keep working at it, I think they're going to be fine. You just want to hit the ball down so that you get it in on the ground because if it's up in the air, you're out. You know, you either knock it out of the ballpark or you're out.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, right.
2: so I think that's what, what's going on. We're we're going to be better. These kids got a lot of talent, and uh, we're yeah. going to be better.
0: One thing we've seen, we've got about 40 seconds left, uh, a lot of experience uh, returning, and and I thought it really showed up uh, this past weekend, the experience, the senior, the fifth- and sixth-year players uh, that are playing for Louisiana Tech. And uh, Coach Hallmark told us he had the same thing in his offensive lineup. So that's just something Southern Miss, with its youth, is going to have to deal with all year, uh, Al.
2: Yes, no question. Louisiana Tech's team was a real solid veteran team. And uh, uh, said that, and they were going to be a tough out no matter what. And but you know, if you really look at it, from, take, get away from it, and take a second and look at it, you'll see we were in a, a one or two runs here or there, base hit here or there, of uh, uh, being three and one against them. So no question, you know, that, that close.
0: Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you keeping up with the minor league stuff for the radio show, and uh, you know, I really appreciate your friendship, and hope you have a wonderful Easter. You too, Bob. Safe travels. Uh, Al Holder, everybody. Uh, my friend and our minor league baseball correspondent for the Eagle Hours. Hang on, we've got more to go. And miss to the top. Hey, glad you're with us this afternoon. This segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill, $8.95. That's what they charge for lunch every day. It's always delicious. It includes your drink, taxes, everything. It's just the best deal in town. Tomorrow, of course, is uh, uh, Catfish Friday, and uh, trust trust this Delta boy saying this to you, it's as good a catfish as you'll eat anywhere on the planet 4th uh, Street Bar and Grill, and uh, they'll, of course, have all of Southern Miss baseball there this weekend. Quick programming note, uh, Good Friday is a company holiday with Telesouth Media, thanks to uh, our leader and owner Steve Davenport. So the Eagle Hour will have a a best of uh, tomorrow, if you can uh, use that term with this show. Uh, we'll have a um, – what's what's the word I'm looking for, Kelly? Best of just doesn't settle well with me.
3: Uh, you can't say rerun because it's not it's not television. Um,
0: hmm. r- repeat performance? A repeat performance. There we go. Yeah. We'll have that tomorrow uh, at uh, 1 o'clock, so we hope that uh, you'll tune in. Quick reminder, baseball tonight at 6 o'clock on CUSA TV. Uh, they'll play tomorrow at 2 and then about 45 minutes after that game. That also on CUSA TV. And then... Saturday morning, you get up at 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, watch the Golden Eagles on CUSA-TV. We'll talk more about baseball a little later in the show. You told me something in the, in the break really kind of surprised me. A, a, a local kid here from Petal and played a little football at Southern Miss. He earned himself a starting job in Major League Baseball, Kelly.
3: That's right, Bob. Anthony Alford, who, you know, quarterbacked the, the Southern Miss football team as well as, as played baseball for the Eagles, um, Back in the, we're not supposed to say Ellis Johnson days, but, but back in those days, uh, Anthony Alford won the starting the center fielder position job with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Major League Baseball, of course, opening today. And already, Richardson's Jacoby Jones, who played as collegiately at LSU, he's already got an RBI as the Tigers are leading the Indians 3-0 in the uh, top of the fifth inning. But yes, it is Major League Baseball time, uh, 20% capacity, at uh, Comerica Park in Detroit, uh, they'll have 20% at Yankee Stadium all the way up to 100% in Arlington, Texas. They said, come one, come all, if you've got your tickets. Right. Come on. So well, uh, it looks like slowly but surely we're getting back to normal, except uh, in Detroit they're they playing amid uh, some snow flurries.
0: So, yeah. Well, you, you can look at the red states, and uh, they're welcoming everybody to come enjoy Major League Baseball. And you look at the blue states, and they still want everybody locked down and uh, and hiding from COVID-19. So politics permeates everything, doesn't it, Kelly?
3: Unfortunately, yeah, sports is where a lot of people would gravitate to get away uh, from politics. But no, there is there's still some going on. But you know, at this point, the National Football League announced yesterday they are going to have full stadiums this fall. So slowly, even if it is slowly, I know people uh, are glad that as the vaccinations continue to increase and the incidences of infection of COVID-19 are going down, that we are slowly getting back to normal. I've always said that that a national holiday should be Major League Baseball opening day. Uh, I mean, of all the times that me and my son have spent together, some of the best times were, were watching, um, you know, the Tigers on TV, and you know, on opening day, I would I would hold him out of school, and teachers would kind of get upset with me, and I just, well, you don't you don't get many opportunities to to have those times, you know, with your kids, and it is one day of school with all mm-hmm. the respect to the teachers. So, the Detroit, yeah, it's opening day, and, and good for Anthony Alford, good for him.
0: The Detroit Tigers, you held a child out of school to watch the Detroit Tigers.
3: Yeah, I think that's was was really their complaint, Bob. They were going to say, <laughs> if you're holding your kid out to watch Major League Baseball, why not watch the Yankees or the Dodgers or somebody like that? But Detroit, right,
0: the Detroit you know, Tigers. How about that? Well,
3: but Like I said, a true fan sticks with their team.
0: So. Uh, you and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion about something. The NCAA is uh, now in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, and the bottom yeah, line is that, that the uh, NCAA is trying to prevent – uh, athletes, uh, college athletes, from making money while they're quote unquote amateur athletes. Set the stage and tell me why you have the view you do.
3: Well, let, yeah, let me fill in a few blanks here for you. The whole, the one of the, one of the points that the NCAA makes in its charter is they want to try to make the college experience for athletes as similar to the college experience as can be compared to non-athletes. So you have, you know, students that are, are non-athletes. They've got jobs and they've got, you know, their YouTube channels and their TikToks and their this and that where they're making, you know, this this extra money to live on, but yet athletes cannot have jobs, um, you know, outside of their, their work schedules. And the NCAA says, well, they are being paid, you know, because they're they're getting scholarship money, well then, the argument to the Supreme Court is well, yeah, but a scholarship, you know, if you if you were to to lay out the money to go to Southern Miss, for example, it would be far less money than going to Vanderbilt, which that's true, or Northwestern or Stanford or you know one, any one of these big expensive schools. So how should Southern Miss, how should Southern Miss money and Vanderbilt money be compared when? They're not comparable when it, when they're crunching numbers. So the bottom line is that it it looks like, uh, from all legal experts, that the NCAA is going to lose this argument and that college players are probably going to be, the decision's not going to come down for a couple of months, but the attorneys are arguing this before the Supreme Court right now. And remember, you've got, you've got a lot of, um, Supreme Court justices now who, who are of a conservative ilk, who very much believe in capitalism and that a person should be able to, to determine their own worth and not have the NCAA determine uh, their worth. But The biggest irony of this deal, according to the Supreme Court justices, is you have the NCAA, which is bone-legged with money, and selling corporate sponsorships by the truckload, where the NCAA has tons of money, and they feel like they should be able to have tons of money, but the players who essentially make up the NCAA should not be able to make Good. any money. All
0: right. Devil's advocate here. Okay. As a guy that sent two kids through college, uh, helped pay for a lot of it, my kids to this day, I think, are paying back some student loans. I think some people find it insulting for college athletes to say, oh, well, my college degree and my free room and board is not enough to compensate me for what I'm doing when other kids take out loans, work part-time jobs, parents sacrifice, parents do without vacations, do without things that they might otherwise be able to enjoy in life to pay for their children to be educated. And here come the pompous, arrogant athletes saying, well, that's just not enough for me. I need money on top of that. You understand that point of view?
3: I do. I do and and that's why it has come to the to the Supreme Court. And and, and again, I think the NCAA is going to lose here. I think the players uh, are are probably going to win this argument that that they are, that they should determine what how much they're worth, not the NCAA determining, you know, that that a scholar, for again, for again, if you monetize a scholarship at Vanderbilt, you're talking about $40,000 a year. At least all right, if you had to if you had to pay to go to school at Vanderbilt, that's $40,000. Well, let's just use that figure. If it goes to Southern Miss and you're an in-state student, it's not anywhere near $40,000. But but the NCAA's argument is those are equal. Which the the players are saying no, it's not. If you again, if you monetize it, you know, I it, it would be like giving me $40,000 to go to Vanderbilt and only
0: pay all right, two questions for you. A, does that not say that college? we hear so much about the value of a college education, here come the athletes saying, well, it's really not that valuable because I need to make additional money. And two, does it not destroy amateur college athletics as we know it today?
3: And those are both very good questions, and those have both been argued before the Supreme Court. And the players' attorneys are, are stating that it's already happening. And, and we've talked about this on the show that the haves, you know, the big schools who it's no secret that some of these big schools, I mean, you've seen this, you've seen this all over the news, even back in the day when news was news, you know, wasn't fake news or whatever, that, that players were, were being compensated by big money boosters to, to commit to school X, Y, or Z. So the argument is that even if the players win this argument, it's not, it's not going to change the way a lot of schools are doing business because it's already taking place. Mm-hmm. It's just, but, but most of the legal eagles that are watching this, this case say it's, it simply is going to come down to this, that the NCAA can make as much money as they want, and they cannot then in turn tell the people who essentially work for them that they cannot make money when they themselves are making a bunch of it. So, in that argument, the NCAA would have to essentially become a nonprofit organization. Is right. what they're saying. All
0: right. You so, know. when do we expect an answer on this debate?
3: Uh, in a couple months, they'll finish up the uh, they'll finish up testimony today, and then the Supreme Court's going to rule. In a couple of months, and again, don't be surprised, and we'll follow up on this, but don't be surprised if if the uh, NCAA doesn't lose this one, Bob, and the players win.
0: All right, we'll see. Southern Miss baseball back in action tonight at 6 o'clock. Kelly and I will take one last look at the matchup between Texas-San Antonio and your Golden Eagles as uh, we move forward uh, toward a great Easter weekend here in South Mississippi and wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. We'll be back. tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, we want to say hello to Catherine down at uh, D-Bat and uh, all the guys at D1 Training, uh, great supporters of the Eagle Hour, and we're really grateful to them. Uh, it is the place to go if you have a child in your family that aspires to play baseball or softball, expert training that they won't find anywhere else, really. And uh, for adults over on the uh, D1 Training side, the same thing. A good. Tremendous fitness programs and tremendous programs uh, for athletes of all ages and size. And Kelly, I, I'm going to break some news to you. We're working right now. I just had a great conversation yesterday with a new manager at uh, at D1 and had some communication last night with Catherine from DBAT. And right now, tentatively, we're going to go down there on May the 7th and do the Eagle Hour. And uh, they're going to set you up in a batting cage. And we're going to just see how proficient you are at hitting a 90-mile-an-hour fastball.
3: Is that softball or baseball?
0: That'll be baseball, Kelly.
3: You're going to put me in there against <laughs> the 90-mile-an-hour fastball. How did I get that honor?
0: Well, uh, we're going to put Luke in there as well. Uh okay, But we're right. most interested in seeing how well you do. Uh, and well, so I, I, uh, you're, you're game for that, I gather, right?
3: Oh, I'm highly skilled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very highly skilled. I'm yeah. sure I'll do. A, just don't put me in the sixty-yard dash or whatever. So
0: seventy-yard. They have a, a seventy-yard field. That that's going to be number two. You and Luke, uh, we're scheduling y'all for a fifty a fifty-yard race showdown.
3: No, I was going to say you didn't hear what I said, Bob. I know they have a seventy-yard facility, but don't put me in there for a sixty because I ain't running. More. <laughs>
0: You don't, even, you don't even like driving seventy yards, no. do you, Kelly, on a, on a hot day. No. <laughs> All right, Kelly. The Golden Eagles back in action tonight at six o'clock. Uh, they play two games tomorrow. This insane conference USA stuff. Two p.m. and then a later game, and then Saturday at ten a.m. Disappointing weekend. This past weekend, in, in some respects, they lost two out of three games. But my gosh, they were they were two singles away from being three and one. And I, I think you have to look at it both ways. Your thoughts about this San Antonio matchup and what do we need to see out of USM this weekend?
3: What scares me about this San Antonio is that last weekend they took three out of four from Rice, if I'm not mistaken. All right, now Rice, pretty good baseball team, rich history, and better this year than they were last year, which tells you the direction that San Antonio is headed. It's a road game. Um, you know, you never, you never expect it to do as well on the road as you do at home. And even though those games were close last week, you know, three out of the four went down as L's, they, I, I really think the Eagles need to go in there and win three out of four, right? Uh, which, which is not going to be an easy task. The consistency at the plate, they've, they've been getting pretty consistent pitching, and we've talked about that. And, and the defense has shored up some, but it's been you know one game they'll, they'll put up 12 runs, and the next game they get no runs. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Um, so even some consistency at the plate. But I mean, if you're not scoring at all, uh, and and some of the games they've just really scored, you know struggled putting up runs. Who are you going to beat if you don't score any runs? Right. You know. No, now right. they also they also pitched a couple of shutouts. So just more consistency at the plate. And I think they're probably going to feel a little bit of uh, pressure put on themselves, mind you, because they lost three out of four last weekend. So don't press. Either this uh, is not this is not a winner, you know, life or death situation, um, and I think if they'll just relax and be more consistent at the plate, then they'll be fine. But they they really need to get three out of four this weekend yeah. if they can.
0: As Kelly pointed out, the uh, San Antonio beat Rice uh, three out of four this past weekend. Pat Hallmark is the coach there. We had him on the show earlier. He's mm-hmm. twenty one and fifteen at the Texas San Antonio. Here's some. Information about the two USM is fifteen and seven overall, and their series history against this team eight and two in Hattiesburg, but only five and four in San Antonio. In fact, I think the last time they played out there in two thousand nineteen, the Roadrunners actually won the series. Uh, the two teams are two and one uh, on a neutral field. Uh, Southern Miss uh, ten and six during the month of March. Right now, their bat, team batting average is two thirty-two. Their team ERA is two point seven-two. They have a hundred and sixty walks and I mean, one hundred and sixty strikeouts and thirty-five walks during March. Uh, Kelly, I mean, it's it's good and bad news when your team ERA is about equal to your team batting averages.
3: Yeah, but but the team ERA, Chris, you you, you always expected this team to pitch well. Right. I mean, they're 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 deep and wide when it comes to pitching staff. But something that that should be a little bit encouraging is that the Eagles overall team batting average in one month went up thirty points. Right. All right they went from two oh two, which was nearly unheard of as well, up to two thirty two, which is still not dazzling, but it is a thirty point, you know, improvement. If they can, you know, keep improving at a steady pace at the plate, you're gonna see and I expect in you know, a barring injury that the pitching staff is going to continue to do what it does. Right. So if if you can get that team batting average up to, you know, the two two sixty eight, two seventy five average, something like that, they're going to be just fine.
0: All right, 6 p.m. tonight, 2 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, and 45 minutes after the conclusion of the first game, they'll play the second game of a doubleheader, and then they'll play Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, which is unusually early, but that's because of uh, airplane situations. Uh, Best of the Eagle Hour tomorrow. We're going to take the day off and celebrate Easter. We hope everyone listening has a wonderful Easter holiday, peaceful and happy with your family. And uh, Kelly and I and Luke will all be back Monday. Until then, Kelly Santer, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future.